Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y bienvenidos a Wiki Horror, a Latinx Horror Movie Podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hi. Hola. My voice cracked when I said, hola, amor. <laughs> hola, amor. Hola, amor. <laughs> How's it going over there? Oh, I'm doing great. It's officially warm, and I would like a fan to be on, but I'm choosing not to because sound. But, um, yeah, doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I love your Evil Dead shirt. It's great. Makes me happy. Thank you. A lovely, dear friend of mine gave it to me. It was me, everybody. It was me. <laughs> I gave it to her. <laughs> uh, I want to go ahead and say... Tomorrow's your birthday. It is. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, well, uh, tomorrow's your birthday on the day from the, when this recording was being recorded. Tomorrow is your birthday. Yes. But when we actually release this, it'll be a solid two. 70 I think. years. Yeah. <laughs> After the fact, I will be 90 years old. 86. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. Happy birthday. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> I'm getting old. Girl, I mean, we talked about this when we recorded on my birthday. Mm-hmm. Old, old as hell. <laughs> old um, as hell. It's funny because for my birthday, my sweet friend Juan took me to go see Little Shop of Horrors, which is um, it's an off-Broadway show right now. If you're going to come to New York, if you can... You should go see Little Shop. It was so much fucking fun. And um, I bring this up because so Juan and I went to dinner before the show. And uh, while we were at dinner, I was like, "Ooh, I know the next week horror movie we're going to do. So this is how this came about earlier in the week before Little Shop. I don't know why. Probably weed. (laughs) But (laughs) this crazy need came over me to rewatch Desperado, which I haven't seen in, I'm going to say decades. And I was like, why not? Let me watch Desperado. Fuck it. Let's see what's up. And I was like, oh, I forgot that it starts off with basically remembering El Mariachi. And like, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, well, I did the math because uh, from Dust Till Dawn came after Desperado. The dick gun from Dust Till Dawn makes an appearance in Desperado. Yes. So that's the origin of that thing, of the dick gun. So I was like, oh my God, dick gun. Hilarious. <laughs> Listen to our From Dust Till Dawn episode, everybody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it was fun. You know, everybody's so young and beautiful. And I was like, oh, so I was at dinner with Juan and I was like, I watched Desperado this week. And he's like, I've never seen him. And I was like, you know what? The Desperado trilogy, like or I should say El Mariachi trilogy. So El Mariachi, Desperado and uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico by Robert Rodriguez are, I think, a really great Latino action franchise. There's not many. No. I mean, if we are to pinpoint, I guess maybe like Fast and Furious is very diverse when it comes to an action franchise. Mm -hmm. I think Desperado is in that vein in that it's the only 
all Latino. I mean, granted, we have Steve Buscemi in there and maybe Johnny Depp in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, whatever. Pero it's just really nice to like be like, yeah, we can throw a fucking gun and jump and explode and do all this shit and have it happen in the sandy deserts of Mexico. I don't know. It was just really nice. And I was talking to Juan about this and whatever. And I was explaining Dick Gun. And I was like, you know, it was in uh, from Dust Till Dawn, you know, Salma Hayek, Satanico Pandemonium. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I immediately grabbed my phone and I was like, this is the next movie. I'm putting it on my fucking thing. So today, because I had a Robert Rodriguez fever dream in the middle of the week, we are going to do... Salma Hayek's character in From Dust Till Dawn's Nay, her like, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word when the, the the when somebody is named after something? Her, oh gosh, I don't I don't remember, but basically you know what, I, what she's named after. What she's named after, her character, which is Satanico Pandemonium, undertitle, La Sexorcista. Which was news to me. <laughs> Literally, the movie opens Satanico Pandemonium. Underneath, underneath, <laughs> in says, parentheses, yeah. La Sexorcista, which was a lovely La surprise. Sexorcista. Also, I yeah. believe that in From Dusk Till Dawn, which um, I mean, a treasure in my eyes, truly, Danny Trejo, mm-hmm. I think he makes a mistake and he says Santanico Pandemonium. Sí. I don't Santa know if that was Nico. on purpose or whatever, pero it, it's interesting to note. Same fucking name, pero well, Santanico and From Dust Till en, Dawn. En, el, en los credits, en, full, en, en From Dust Till Dawn, I keep wanting to say Full Metal Jacket. I don't know why, pero <laughs> en, from, en From Dust Till Dawn, not Full Metal Jacket. In uh, From Dust Till Dawn, they wrote it out, Santanico. So her ah. name is technically Santanico Pandemonium, pero la película se llama Satanico yeah. Pandemonium, parentheses, la, sexor- la sexorcista. Who knows, maybe copyright, something like that? Quién sabe, quién sabe. You know, honestly, surprised that we have not covered this movie already, like that we haven't done it already. Yeah. And it was about fucking time. So I'm very excited to to talk about this movie with you. Me too. When we did Alucarda, we had a lot of people be like, you should watch Satanico Pandemonium. Oh, and before we get to talking about it, I have my Spanish and Portuguese title to relay to you. Um, since we're in the vicinity of, I figure, why not see what from dusk till dawn was called in Spanish and in Portuguese. Great. And uh, in Spanish, it's called Del Crepúsculo al Amanecer, which is Love. very nice. Pero in Portuguese, it is Un Drink no Inferno. <laughs> A drink in hell. No fucking way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, it, basically, I will take that they title. Do, this, that they is do a drink take a drink in, in hell. hell. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie. Before we do, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. Cualquier plataforma, we appreciate it. Hey, how about you give us a synopsis? All right. This synopsis is from IMDb. Here we go. 
A young nun is tempted by visions of forbidden sexual fantasies to cross over to Satan. <gasps> My okay, so <laughs> there is some of that in this film. Um, it's more like <laughs> like oh, that, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely that high. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So let's talk about Satanico Pandemonium from 1975. Story by Jorge Barragán and written by Adolfo Martinez Solares y Gilberto Martinez Solares. Directed by Gilberto Martinez Solares. We hear some church bells and our credits begin to roll. Enrique Rocha, Cecilia Peset, en Satanico Pandemonium. Parentheses, La Sexorcista, more credits. And then we see rolling hills of Mexico, bells still chiming away, church bells, obviously. En un bosque, we see una monja, a nun in a light blue habit, walking through the leaves and greenery, picking up wildflowers, just being a, a nun, I guess. And uh, we hear a splash over at the end over there by the canal. And she looks over, but nothing's there. Only some ducks swimming, perhaps. It's a beautiful day. It's a lovely day to be a blue habit wearing nun. <laughs> De repente, un hombre aparece. <gasps> Wet and naked, he stands in front of her. Buenos dias, hermana. <laughs> And her jaw hits the fucking floor. She's like, holy fuck. Yeah. And uh, that bitch turns around like, boop, me voy de aquí. And she runs back into the bosque. She stops for a moment at a tree trunk. <laughs> and she looks behind, but he's gone. So she's like, fuck this. And she keeps running until she gets to a very convenient altar in the middle of the bosque, like yes. nailed to a tree. Like, wow, okay, I guess I'll stop here and pray. Aquí está mi santo, el nombre del Padre, el Hijo, Espíritu Santo, of naked man has just appeared in front of me. So she's praying. De repente, buenos días, madre. <gasps> Pero no, it's only the local sheep herder and young, very young man. I'm going to say 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A 13-year-old young shepherd boy, Marcelo. And he's like, hermana. Oh, by the way. This nun, her name is Hermana Maria, Sor Maria, mm -hmm. Madre Maria. Todo el mundo la llama. There are so many pre-nun, like, sister, hermana, sor, madre, de todo, de todo. Honestly, llama. so much so that throughout the film, like, toward the end, I was like, ¿Cómo se llama? What's her name? <laughs> who, is, who is this? <laughs> Maria. <laughs> so... He's like, mira, hermana Maria, look at the new baby sheep that was just oh. born last night. It's very cute. And she's like, listen, if you need any medical help, let me know, because I guess this bitch is a fucking science nun. Great. Very nice, very sweet, lovely casualties with this young man. And she goes to, like, the trough to give the baby lamb a drink of water. And in the trough, in el agua, she sees a reflection. It's the man from before. And she stands up and there he is. And he's wearing chunks of wool sewn together. Quite literally, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Hello. <laughs> this guy was giving me, I can't remember the name of the character. I mean, I guess Satan from Alucarda, which 
the similarities, the the, mm-hmm. the the Alucarda feels that this movie gave me were very very strong. He gave me um Doctor, what's her, what's his dick from Pantano de los Cuervos? Totally similar vibes. Pero you remember from Alucarda, like the dude who shows up, like the ogre dude who basically, I believe, was the devil. This is the vibes that this guy is giving me in this movie. Pero sing ogre, just yes. like handsome, A handsome, like feathery hair, very 70s. Tall, dark and handsome man. And he says to Hermana Maria, he's like, here's an apple. Toma, muérdela. And she, again, turns, freaks out, and runs. And then the man turns, and he takes that apple, and he bites into it. Just the clearest, I'm not a religious person, but the clearest, like, religious symbolism. Just basically, like, who do you think this man is being like, hey, nun, bite this apple. apple. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly was like, oh, I'm surprised. Like, you are just basically laying it out for us. They are beating it against yes. our head. Very, very, like, simply. Here we go. Sí. Entonces la, la hermana María está corriendo y corriendo y corriendo until finally she gets to the convent. And we see a nun's choir singing and the mother superior, quote, unquote, conducting this choir. Beat that the way that her hand was like... I was like, bitch, this song would be everywhere if we were following your hands. And there's somebody playing an organ. Literally, there's somebody blowing like a, a bellows. Bellows. To make the organ a work. A big bellows. ass bellows. N- nary a honk of an organ in there. All voces. It's all voces. Sí. Put a, ooh, ooh, <laughs> you know, and gorgeous. not an organ in sight. <laughs> Pero. This was the moment that I noticed, oh, there's two black nuns here. Yes. Because this is 1974 Mexican film. And listen, we've watched a few Mexican films from the 70s. Y casi nunca are there black people. Well, interesting that uh, the person operating the bellows, which seems to be hard work, is one of the black nuns. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So... We're inside the convent now in the kitchen, and we see these two black nuns in the kitchen doing some work. One of them never gets a name, mm-hmm. but the main black nun that we are going to talk about, her name is Hermana Caridad. So Hermana Caridad and her pal, they're in the kitchen. Her- Caridad is ironing and uh, <laughs> a fucking asshole of a nun Comes in, comes in hot, and she's like, you're not done yet. Que perezosa, que son, you're lazy. And then she pushes Caridad, and then she goes over to the other nun who's cooking, and she literally grabs her by the shoulder and shakes her like, y como siempre la cena no está lista, inútil, cuanta porquería. She's just like talking hella shit. Ma'am, I'm trying to cut an onion here. You're going to come over here and fucking shake me like a shaken baby syndrome? I don't think so. So she bumps into Caridad after she shakes the other nun. She literally says, Fíjate por donde caminas, animal, le dice. (gasps) And like, first of all, already the shock of like, wow, how nice that there's black people in this film. And immediately after, like absolutely sliced to death when you see these two women 
being treated this way by this fucking absolute cunt of a woman. So in a convent, this is a place where women go to just be like, I have decided to find peace, to dedicate my life to my religious goodness, yeah, to goodness, to God. And there are even here, there are fucking racist assholes being motherfuckers to me. Are you kidding me? Ahora todas juntas, las monjas are sitting down to dinner and Hermana Caridad comes in with her fellow nun and she's basically serving all the nuns their dinner. And it's a couple of spoonfuls of frijole or oh. like slop. It made me think of in La Parte de Nacho Libre where Nacho is giving out beans to everybody and one of the little orphan kids is like, why can't we ever just have like a salad or something? I am that orphan kid. First of all, I've never seen Nacho Libre, pero... Oh my God! Two teeny tiny little spoonfuls. Cucharadita, two tablespoons of fucking... Nada, no es nada. I thought, oh my God, damn, I could <laughs> never be a nun. Never. So, Hermana Maria is in her seat and she's like, just, you know, oh, chilling, living my nun life. And she looks across the way and the man from before suddenly appears. Bing. Very um, puck in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Just like, bing, appears. And then, boop. Disappears again, but then bing, an apple appears. <laughs> bing, bang, boop. <laughs> That's, I feel like that should have been the sounds oh, that were accompanying yeah. it. So this apple appears and is sitting at the window. And while this is happening, we're still serving the food. And that shitty fucking cunt of a monja uses her wooden spoon to smack Caridad in the hands while she's serving these beans. And she says, otra vez la cena tarde. Mira, fuck that fucking bitch, dude. So back to Sister Maria as she notices the apple that just pinged into space. And uh, all of a sudden, boom. It poof, disappears as well. <laughs> Bing, boom. Okay. Cuando ya están listas, de, ya terminaron de comer sus frijoles. Once everybody's finished, todas se van a acostar. So we're going to bed in their respective nun rooms. And they all like in twos go down the hallway and they all stop in front of a big painting of some saint. And they all, en nombre del Padre, del Hijo, Espíritu Santo, and off to bed. And at her door, Hermana Maria stays behind and she sees Hermana Caridad and her friend go to their room, which obviously is not in the same area as the other nuns. And she notices that especially Caridad seems very sad and solemn. So she follows them to their quarters, which is legit a fucking stone cave. It is a catacomb. Yeah. Yeah. And then they they go down the stairs into their quote unquote room and it's hay on the ground with a fucking burlap sack <laughs> on top of it. Sweet dreams. So Caridad's pal gets on her knees to pray because, again, these people are still nuns and they're very devout. So she's praying. Caridad también se pone a rezar and she starts sobbing and Sister Maria comes in and she's like, what's wrong? This scene broke my 
heart. Mm, yeah. So Caridad says, quisiera morir. Oof. And I was like, oh, fuck. And she says, God forgot me since I was born. And Sister Maria says, but you're a religious woman. You don't say or think things like that. You're a fucking monja. Like, that's not how you feel. And fucking Caridad is like, mira, I'm hidden here from the world because my color is my tragedy. That's why I want to die. My parents were slaves. I was born a slave. Estoy cansada de los malos tratos y las crueldades. And then she says what you said earlier. I came to the convent to escape all of that, but nothing has changed. I shouldn't have been born. Hasta aquí me tratan mal. Even here they treat me poorly. And Maria... This moment, obviously, 1974, it's going to be this way, but it feels very white savory. She's like, I said the same thing. Feels white savory. Where she like grabs Sister Caridad and Maria says, don't think that way. We don't own our lives. God owns our lives. He's the one that's in charge of our destiny. It's his decision. And like, you know, Catholicism is very anti-suicide, which is basically mm. what this girl is saying, because literally they're like, you'll go to hell if you mm -hmm. kill yourself. So it feels very like, don't think that way. God's in charge. He'll take care of you rather than like listening to her and being like, you're loved, you're supported. I'm here with you. No, God loves you. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. Don't think like that. Because Sor Maria doesn't know how she feels. Exactly. Because she white. In her own room now, Sister Maria prays at her little prayer thingy. It's like a, a smaller version of a pew, like mm -hmm. an individual pew, if you will. Yeah. This, this praying, it never stops in convents, Bro, apparently. You pray to that saint in the hallway. You pray in the actual <laughs> rectory or whatever. You pray, I don't know, churches. You, you pray in your... As you say hello to people. You say a prayer. Literally, <laughs> I get to my bedroom. I just want to go to bed. Not before... You get down on your hands and knees on some hard-ass cold concrete and pray to Jesus. Entonces está rezando when she suddenly remembers the naked wet man she saw earlier in the day. Buenos dias, hermana. Oh. Then she sees him fully nude at, oh. at one point from far away. I was like... 70s bush. Bro, that bush? Oh. You couldn't see the dick. All you saw was the bush. I, I was about to say. I was like, look at... I mean, he's way far in the... Oh. Una lupa para buscar. <laughs> that penis was hidden in the bush, just hiding in the bush, Homer Simpson. He is amongst the bush already, and then his penis is in his own bush. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, we're terrible. <laughs> no qualms, no judgment against bush. No. Listen, if you got no. it, that's your life. And so Sister Maria is like, well... Only thing I can do to not think about this dick in that bush is to take my habit off and tie a rope of thorns mm. around my waist <sighs> and like tighten it like a corset kind of thing and start moaning a bunch. And I was like, OK, OK. <laughs> and then once she's tied the rope of thorns around her waist enough, like she tucks it in like a belt kind of thing. 
She reaches over and grabs her whip and time to self-flagellate. Okay, boom, boom. Again, lots of moaning. And the moaning is... Orgasmic. Sexual. Oh. Yeah. This is on purpose, that the moaning was purposefully sexy moaning. Like, as much as she's like, oh, I must suffer. I think the idea they're trying to get across here is that she is enjoying this intense pain. Made me feel weird. Oh, yeah. I definitely was like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about this moaning right now. (laughs) Moaning. (laughs) Sex moaning. It's sex moaning. Y de repente there's a knock on the door. Also, that's the other thing in this fucking movie. Todo el mundo acá racto knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, (laughs) knock, knock. And it's Hermana Caridad and her pal and Ave Maria Purísima sin pecado concebido, like literally saying hello and praying like Santa Maria. And they say to Sister Maria, they're like, mira, Something's wrong with the cow. The cow, Doña Sofia, is the name of the cow. <laughs> I didn't catch which that. I w- was so happy. She Doña goes, Sofia. La vaca Doña Sofia está malita. And when Ay, she pobre. said that phrase, it touched my heart so much because the phrase, so and so está malita, like to be like they're sick, mm-hmm. is such a sweet, tender thing. Like I remember saying, like people saying, "Oh, she's sick." Alailin está malita, and I'm like, "That's so nice." I don't know why and this sentence is too much for me to take. <laughs> so they go to the barn to check in on Doña Sofia. They make a concoction for her. Sister Maria is like, "A ver," <laughs> she rubs that fucking cow like sana sana colita de rana si no se sanó y se sanará mañana (laughs) they i'm gonna assume drugged this cow i mean this cow was was like what the fuck is going on right now (laughs) i thought it was sweet oh so cute (laughs) so when they're done taking care of doña sofia maria sends the sisters off and she's like i'll stay here with her in the barn tonight and she falls asleep and at the fire, whoop, here comes the man again in his sheep outfit, eating his apple, and he flings it to the ground and boop, disappears again. And Sister Maria wakes up and she looks around and she sees the bit apple on the ground and she's like, ooh, something's funky. And she leaves. Back in her room, Sister Maria is kind of going through it she's like something feels weird i don't know something is haunting me like there's something she looks like she's in turmoil basically when she comes in in a tiny pocket of terror there's just a fucking nun standing there this is creepy as hell because the thing about this movie is that it Like many movies that we've experienced lately, for some reason, it really takes its time. It's not particularly Mm -hmm. long, but the the shots are long, long, long. So as Sor Maria is going through it, you're just seeing this dark figure behind her for like an extended period of time. Just waiting. ¿Qué va a pasar? Is she going to jump out? What's going to happen? What's going on? Who the fuck is that? Creepy as hell. So because she's in her fucking room, Sister Maria starts to take off all her habit and her dressings off. And remember that she has been wearing that thorn rope this whole entire time. So underneath her blue habit, she has her like white dressing gown, it seems. And it's like 
speckled with blood. Y se quita la camisa y ahí está el rope and she takes it off. And again, like sexual moans, removing this thing. And she turns and she finally sees the creepy nun in the corner. And she's like, oh, hey, girl, what's up? How can I fucking help you? Like, <laughs> are you just standing there this whole time? Like kind of covering her boobs. And she's like, I'm fucking nude here. Can you what the hell? And the other nun finally comes out and she's like, I have to confess to you. Te amo. <gasps> and Sister Maria's like, huh? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> huh? And this other sister is like, me he enamorado de ti. Te amo. It's like, escándalo, okay? Yeah. Lesbianismo. In the 70s? Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Y de repente, she is bum-rushed by this nun, and they are kissing and all this stuff. La Maria doesn't really reciprocate. It's mostly this nun that's doing all the kissing. And then she throws Maria onto her bed and she's kissing her like naked chest and neck while Maria is kind of fighting. Not mm. like she's not pushing this woman off, but she's like, no, no, you mustn't. You simply cannot. But like the lower she goes, the more she's like, no, no. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and as this other nun is like lowering herself, all of a sudden she comes back up a little bit and we see, oh, wait, it's not that nun at all. It's the fucking dude from the river. Bush. And he's got <laughs> he's got a fucking habit on. I laughed so much at that. <laughs> and he comes up and he kisses her on the mouth. And now it seems as though Maria is slowly getting into it. And he says, Me llamo Luzbel. Me llamo Lucifer. Mephisto. Como tú quieras. Yo también estoy en todas partes. Remember that you are mine eternally and I am yours while you live. And then he disappears, echoing laughter in the dark. Because I'm pretty sure he goes either goes down on her or fucks her or or at least it's implied that that something sexual has happened. Yes. Because we get a full like two minutes of a close up of her face as she's like. Orgasming. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's how I come. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's the next day, and the nuns are again heading to their rooms after a prayer that they've all prayed together. And they pass by the big painting of the saint again. Y de nuevo, nombre al Padre, el Hijo, Espíritu Santo. And then when Maria goes by it, she looks up, and it's a picture of Satan. It's like a devil, like horns, and there's fire. Look like a frog. Or a frog. Un demonio es algo. Algo horrible, un monstruo, devil, basically. Now we're outside. De nuevo, in, in like the grounds of the convent, it seems. And Sister Maria walks by the herd of sheep, and she finds young Marcelo by the river. And she sits next to him, and she takes off her sandals. But while she's taking her sandals off, she doesn't stop staring at him. Ugh. She's like looking at him intently. And I was like, oh, no, oh. what's going to happen? I was not prepared. 
Uh, no. She lifts up her habit skirt and she puts her feet in the canal river thingy. And he kind of looks over at her legs, but like not really in like a lascivious way. He's just like, oh, look, the nun's feet are in the water kind of thing. So she's like, hey, do you know the story of El Rey de las Aguas? And he's like, oh, no, I don't. And she's like, well, doesn't matter because it's a fairy tale and you're too big for fairy tales. You got a girlfriend? Oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, I swear I don't have a girlfriend. And, and oh, she's no. like, it's not bad if you do. Pronto será su hombre. And she grabs his <laughs> arm. And she's like, if you aren't un hombre already, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am, back away from the child. Just rubbing on his shoulders. Uh, and she no. goes, yes, you're a man. And if you aren't one yet, I'll help you. And then oh she God. lays him down on the grass and kisses his forehead and then the nose and then the lips. And I'm like, oh, boy, how are you filming this fucking thing, dude? No. Is his mom on set? What is the His mom the better deal? be on set being like, okay, are you still com you, you comfortable, honey? Are you comfortable? <laughs> you okay? You okay? Everybody okay? Are we cool? Are we cool? It makes me think of Pen15 when they yeah. had to, like, shoot these scenes with these little boys and, like, the kissing, like, seven minutes in in heaven and whatever sure. which is not their mouths or but like back this is like a wide shot you can see this grown-ass woman kissing this a 13 child. year old boy on the lips Oof. weird more escándalo yeah, it's super escándalo. And he turns his head like, oh, this is wrong. And she doesn't care and nibbles on his earlobe. Right. And then he's like, mira, no, ya me voy. And he stands up and runs the fuck out of there. Girl, you're, this is bad. At the dinner table, las monjas están comiendo. Caridad is going around pouring wine. And when she gets to Maria... She pours the wine in and Maria looks down into her mug and a fucking culebra like jumps out of her mug, which honestly, I was like, whoa, that made me jump a little mini jump. Yes. So Maria freaked out. She stands up and she's like looking at her mug and there's a snake crawling around. But again, boop, that snake fucking disappears into thin air and everybody's looking at her. But specifically, La Madre Superior. In her room, Maria is in turmoil. She grabs a pair of scissors and she's like, this is it. I'm ending it. Something is going awry. There's a devil in me, something. And she's about to plunge these scissors into herself when there's a knock at the door. It's fucking Sister Clemencia. Y la clemencia entra and she's been crying and she's like, I tengo una herida. I have a wound on my shoulder blade and it really hurts. It really burns. And <laughs> since apparently Maria is the science nun of the convent, maybe she can fix my wound, please. And clemencia starts to take her habit off. Now, I just want to explain the way that the habits seem to be built like it's almost like um, uh, a backwards button-down shirt. Sure. Like you have to pull it forward for it. To, it's open in the back, so you mm -hmm. open it forward for your boobs to be exposed. So 
Clemencia kind of lowers it down to her shoulders to show the shoulder blade. And here comes Maria, who at this point, the face has changed. The The face is now like, really? Hello, oh, Aisha. Look at your is, exposed uh... shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And Maria says, well, you probably sinned. And Clementia's like, how dare you? I didn't sin. I've never sinned. I've been here for years. I don't even know what sin is. I was like, ma'am, you, you're a human. You've sinned, Fucking bitch. high and mighty over here. Exactly. And Maria's like, well, what you have there is the devil's mark. I know because I have it too. And she rips down her fucking shirt to show her boobs. But on right now, I was like, what are you pointing at? My boobs? <laughs> is that what the devil's mark is? Are they the devil's mark? <laughs> <laughs> so Maria starts rubbing Clemencia's shoulders and she's like, ah, yes. And then she brings her hand to the front and down her chest again, escándalo lesbianismo. And Maria's like, ¿te duele todavía? And then she grabs Clemencia and kisses her and they're kissing, kissing, kissing and Clemencia finally shoves Maria off of her and puts her habit back on very quickly and starts to rush out of her room and just as she's at the door Maria grabs the scissors from earlier and fucking stabs Clemencia in the <gasps> other shoulder y cuando esto pasó yo dije this really surprised me. Me too. Because I wasn't expecting murder or uh, attempts at murder. I was just expecting sexo por el sexorcismo. Same. And also, the minute this happens, she stabs her with scissors in scissors. the shoulder. Mm. La clemencia se va. And then se it's va. just like, big fucking deal. She's like, who cares until... Knock, knock, knock. Que holding. Another knock on the fucking door. It's la madre superiora. And she's like, y ahí, la clemencia just came out of here running so fast. What's going on? And she's like, oh, well, Maria is like, I tried to cure her, but she's very sick. And uh, la madre superiora is like, something's off about you. What is your deal? Do you want to tell me something? Is there something on your mind? Our convent is about forgiveness and openness. So tell me, you having wicked thoughts? What's the deal? And Maria's like, mira, I'm chill as hell, homie. I was praying. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for Clemencia, who is obviously muy enferma. And then mm. as la madre superiora is leaving, she's like, de aquí. And she points at her head. She's mm -hmm. sick in the head. I was like, you're covering your fucking tracks, homie. That's what it is. That makes sense because I was actually kind of, like I just said, I was confused by this because La Clemencia literally just got stabbed in the shoulder. Mm -hmm. You would think that she would go screaming into the halls being like, hello, Sor Maria just stabbed me. Pero the thing too is that we have to remember these are nuns. La Clemencia is probably like, oh my goodness, now I've sinned because she was touching my boobs and she killed and she kissed me. Like now I am shamed. And so that's that makes sense to me at least as to like why she wouldn't say something. Like she literally apparently just in the hallways ran by the the mother superior. Now, another thing about this scene that confused me though, that I'm still unsure of is. Throughout the top of the movie, like literally the first five minutes of the movie, Lucifer, Mephisto, whatever, Luzbel was Luz like, Bell. Luzbel <laughs> was like, eat my apple, eat my apple. This apple has ping pong punged throughout this fucking movie. 
Pero de repente, he comes into the room, like, you know, this was an earlier scene, and he has kind of hidden as a nun. Right. And somehow, there was no apple bite. Like, there was nothing like that. La Sor Maria didn't take a bite of the apple. Pero now we are to establish she is poseída. Well, I think it's the sex. I think... Ah, that's what it was. Like, him going down on her, that was enough transference yeah, I think it's the sex part that is why it, the devil is in me now because I've fucked the devil. That's what that is. Okay. It's time for lights out and Caridad is snuffing the candles out in the hallway of all the rooms. And Maria is watching in the darkness as Caridad stops in front of the painting of the saint again. And she's crying because probably still people being racist to her all the time. So then we see Caridad goes into the kitchen and Maria follows. There, Caridad stands on a table. She grabs a rope that's hanging from the ceiling. She ties a noose and Maria watches like evilly from behind a doorframe, like her face. You can tell same face she had when Clemencia was like, help my shoulder. It mm, was like, mm-hmm. ah, yes, an opportunity for something evil. And Caridad puts the noose around her neck and she begins to pray and Maria runs into that kitchen and she fucking pushes Caridad off of the table and just stands there watching her swing. This was tough. Yeah, it's very sad. So Maria decides to head out into the night and she passes the cross from outside of the church and on the cross is an owl. Mm. And it looks like, at least it seems like the way that they shot it, that the owl drops a bitten apple on the ground. Hmm, interesting. So off Maria goes, and she ends up at Marcelo's house in the middle of the night. And she knocks, and his grandma opens the door, and she's holding a Django cat. Now, everybody that doesn't know, Johnny's cat's name is Django. He's a black cat. He's very... Angry all the time. (laughs) He's an asshole. Named after Django Reinhardt, musician. Look him up, everybody. (laughs) And Maria is all sweet, and she's like, Ay, yo y que el Marcelo está enfermo. I heard Marcelo's sick. Can I come in and bless him? And the grandma's like, sick? Uh, Not that I know of, but you know what? We'll take a blessing any old day, ma'am. So come on in. He's sleeping from all the fucking shepherding he's been doing all day, but come in. Sprinkle that Jesus love on top of us. We love it. Come in. We love you. Yes, Jesus. We love it. So in goes Maria in this humble one-room house with a fucking Rumpelstiltskin-style spinning wheel. Yes. (laughs) I was like, puta, mirame esa mierda. Sleeping beauty. And then on the wall, we have have a fucking little piece of cord con los chiles secando. I was like, I love that this old bitch has chiles drying in the fucking (laughs) wind. So cool. And grandma's like, oh, he's right over there (laughs) past this curtain. Because again, it's one room and this curtain is... That's your privacy. And grandma sits at her fucking sleeping beauty wheel and Maria goes to see Marcelo sleeping on a cot She closes the fucking sheer curtain that there is and she approaches Marcelo. Grandma on a dime fucking passes out like she's asleep and Maria goes to check again to make sure grandma is cool. And Django, the cat, is sitting on grandma's lap and he looks right at her. I see you, bitch. 
So Maria's like, grandma's asleep. Only the cat can see things. This is my time. So she takes off her full habit, gets butt ass naked, gets into the bed naked uh, with this 13 year old boy who is also, is also naked. naked. Oh my God. Oh my God. Dude. No. Dude. And um, I literally wrote, how do you film this? How do you fucking do this? How do you do this? So she gets into his tiny cot. She puts her hand down the sheets uh, and suddenly he wakes up and she grabs him and kisses him and he is struggling against it. And he tries to get out and she grabs at his face and pulls him back down into the bed. And he keeps struggling. He keeps struggling. He grabs at her scapular, which is this thing that a lot of religious people wear. It's kind of like a necklace with two pieces of fabric on each end of it. We'll talk about it in trivia. Oh, uh, yes. And uh, he grabs it and he rips it off of her. And so still struggling, trying to get the fuck out of there. She reaches over. She grabs a fucking knife and she stabs him over and over and over again. And like, listen, the knife is definitely the kind that like presses down and that blood spurts out of like you can buy it at like spirit Halloween kind of knife. Yeah. but. This is very visceral. Like, I was like, yo, she is murdering a child she just tried to rape. It's horrible. Fucked up. She realizes that she's killing a kid and she gets up. She drops the knife and she's like, what the fuck? Covered in blood. She grabs a candle to look closer. And then when she looks, it's not Marcelo on the bed. It's the fucking grandma. Dead, murdered by her also. And in the shock, she drops the candle on, again, this is a humble abode in whatever the year it's supposed to be, 1902. And there's hay everywhere. So literally, immediately, the house lights up into flames. Maria grabs her habit, gets dressed, and runs the fuck out. She looks back. The cat, you can hear the cat dying. Screeching. Screaming, because he's being burnt alive in this house as it goes up in flames she runs back to the convent and at the door who's there <gasps> Django. Django. now in her room maria has found a fucking bottle of booze and she's fucking wasted de repente looks down at her hands and they're smoking those hands are fucking smoking hands just like fumes coming out of them hands out damn spot kind of shit. Lady M. Absolutely. Lady M out, out damn spot. She cries and she goes over to wash her hands in Latina. And then she's like, oh, my habit and all the blood that I had on my body. And she so she takes off her habit again to see, to make sure. Pero no hay sangre. There's nothing there. But she does notice that her scapular is missing, her little cloth necklace. And she remembers that Marcelo grabbed it and it's in his hand. Cuando de repente there's another knock on the fucking door and it's her fellow nuns being like, mira, Marcelo and his abuelita fucking died, dude. Like their house caught on fire. Holy shit. And Maria's like, you don't say. Oh, could it be? <laughs> How? Uh, well, I, I simply cannot. Now, this is what I thought here. These two monjas, it's the middle of the night. They've come to say, oh, the neighbors are dead. El Marcelo y la abuelita. Sí. 
Y la caridad, nobody has said anything about la caridad who is hanging dead in the kitchen. Maybe they haven't gone into the kitchen. Well, the thing too is that <laughs> there is nary a mention of like, la caridad también hay pobrecita, she hung herself or she hanged herself, whatever the correct thing is. Never. It, it's just like, oh, Never said big again. fucking deal. It's yeah. tough. So Maria's like, mira, why, um, why don't you guys, uh, you know, leave me alone with the bodies just for a minute? Because remember, I, I, I loved Marcelo. Marcelo was my friend and a dear friend of mine. I would like to be alone with the bodies, please, uh, just to pay my respects and pray and pray. What I want to do yes. is I want to pray. And the nuns are like, yeah, dude, leave me alone <laughs> yeah. with the bodies. And so they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. So off she goes to try and grab that fucking scapular from Marcelo's dead body. In the church, she finds the bodies. They're covered up and she grabs Marcelo's burnt ass hand and has to pry it open from like rigor mortis. And she opens his hand. She pulls out the scapular. Pero somebody's watching. Mm -hmm. And it's La Madre Superiora. Maria looks up and she sees that she's been caught by La Madre and she gets up and runs back to her room. Pero La Madre Superiora viene corriendo. No knock this time. She just barges right in and she's like, mira, you have offended the Lord. You have offended our sisterhood. And Maria says, really calm, cool as a cucumber. She's like, me odias, Madre. And La Madre dice, no, la Santa Inquisición is the one that's going to judge your sins. The important thing for us to do now is to save your soul. And Maria's like, what? I haven't done anything bad to anyone. And la madre dice, so you're saying you're innocent. And Maria says, no, madre, I'm not that innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. And she goes, the devil that lives in me doesn't have definition. For me, hell doesn't exist. Sino que yo soy el infierno. I'll go to the heavens and I'll build my throne amongst the stars. I'll be the same as God. I will not serve him anymore. Instead, I'll revolt against him. I will take everyone with me a, la, a las más obscuras sombras and slap. I was like, holy shit. She just smacked that woman's face. Also, I love what she said there just the visual of what she's saying like i will take my place amongst the stars like next to god but for exactly the opposite reason mm -hmm. this actress i thought was really phenomenal this monologue was very very good yeah because it wasn't like she was chewing but it wasn't like ostentatious she was just like no it's not like overly dramatic She's like, I am confident about my place in the mm -hmm. heavens and I am promised the things and I will receive them. And the fires of hell are what will encompass me, bitch. And you're just like, OK, OK, oh, sure. OK, yeah, whatever you say. So after La Madre Superiora slaps the shit out of Maria, inmediatamente she's like, holy shit, I just did something very bad. So she goes to Maria's little personal pew and is like, ay, perdóname, señor, and starts to pray again. Everybody's praying. And 
who's praying to? Fucking Maria. And behind her, she she's like, yep, I think I'll pray as well. So están las dos rezando. Pero as Maria is praying, a rope appears in her hands. Bing! <laughs> <laughs> and from behind, Maria approaches la madre superiora and fucking starts strangling her. And she says, siempre te he odiado. Your place belongs to me. You stole it from me. And she fucking strangles la madre to death. Something that I like that they did here was that when they show Mother Superior, like, because you, you see La Sor Maria strangled, uh -huh. like, it's, it's close up on her. But when the shot opens up, or, you know, the next shot, whatever, you see the Mother Superior, and she's got just, like, a teeny tiny blood. little trickle of blood at the side of her mouth. Yeah. That fucked me up. That gave yeah. me, I was like, ooh, that gives me chills. Very, very subtle, but powerful. Totally. So Maria grabs her blanket and wraps la fucking madre superiora in that blanket and drags her through the halls of the convent and uh, down into the catacombs. And then she goes deep into an area. And what do we find? Say it with me, everybody. Body shells. <laughs> what the fuck is the word again? Columbarium. Columbarium. I was like, mausoleum? God damn. I will never, ever get it. <laughs> it's a tiny columbarium. And uh, she pulls open una de las gavetas, like a drawer, a body drawer. And uh, it is occupied. There is a dead body in there. <laughs> occupied. But, <laughs> but it's skeleton, you know? So mm -hmm. she's like, hmm, maybe there's another one that's empty. So she finds another one. She opens it. But inside, there's a snake. <gasps> ah! And it's little tiny baby snake mouth is like open it was kind of cute actually mini jump for me at least i also mini jumped but the snake is there with just a single skull it's very eerie she's like you know what i'll just shove that dude to the side and then i'll put her in there he's just bones anyway so she pops la madre superiora in with the other dude I mean, solid choice, because first of all, that one was on the lower level, so easier to just hoist the body. Yeah, you'd have to lift that big ass body. No, but this was blasphemy. I thought to myself here, you're going to cur I mean, not that you're you're already possessed by the devil, girl. So who fucking cares? But I thought you're putting this this you just murdered this body and now you're putting it on top of old bones. You are cursed to the burning fires of hell oh, yeah. forever. <laughs> cursed, cursed, cursed. Forever. <laughs> so it's Marcelo and his grandma's funeral. Las monjas are walking through the fields to the cemetery carrying these coffins. And Maria, the gall, the audacity, the fucking nerve of standing in the front swinging that incense. I'm like, bitch, you Oof. killed these people. <laughs> yep. You murdered these people. And as the nuns shovel the dirt over the coffins, Maria notices that one of the hands that's shoveling has turned to look like the burnt hand of Marcelo that she had to, like, open earlier. And this is too much for Maria, so she runs away, and she runs and runs and runs until finally she falls into a puddle of mud. Remember that band, Puddle of Mud? Yes. She fucking hates me. I was going to say, do you remember any of their songs? Because I don't. That's the only line I remember. <laughs> she fucking hates me. <laughs> An organ plays. And we have a flashback 
of what I am to understand is either Maria's first communion or the day that she became a nun. Mm Because she's wearing a a crown of flowers of white roses. She's all in white. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I wore a crown of white fucking roses on my head on my first communion. So in my mind, this is either first communion or maybe first day as a nun kind of thing. And not only that, but she's receiving the Eucharist. So she's got her like the body of Christ. Back at the puddle of mud, Maria starts to pray. If I have loved you for the fear of hell, then burn me in hell. And if I've loved you for hope of paradise, then exclude me out of it. But if I love you for you, then I am your daughter. Soy tu hija. Which I was like, that's, I think, the what is meant to be the purpose or like the thesis statement of Catholicism, at least like if I'm here to be afraid of the consequences, you're not doing it right. If I'm being good because I want to get up there and I want to like because I want paradise, that's not the purpose either. You're being good because you're being good. And that's it. Honestly, very beautiful. Yeah. And there's something about this movie. I know she's again in a puddle of mud. But this movie is beautiful to look at. The oh my colors god! Totally are vivid. Like from the top of the film, I'm talking credits. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, "Wow, these colors are so vivid." To vibrant the, to the very ex- vibrant. That's the word to the end of the film. So her and also she is just this like beautiful. angelic, gorgeous woman throughout the film. These moments of her just like saying these lines, it's like you said, it's never overdone. It's very, very simple. And her kind of transitions between, because right now, that's Sor Maria. This is her having a a ground. A clear moment. Yes. She's like, the fact that she can remember when her first connection with God began like this. She's like, that was my purpose then. Mm -hmm. Like, that's when I fully was ready to be what she said. I don't want to love you, God, to get something out of it. I want to just love you for loving you and to be your disciple or whatever the hell. And that's enough. And it was something that, you know, when as I was watching the movie for the first time, I thought, Sometimes I don't know when she's possessed and then, or, or when she's just like clear. Mm. Is I mean, I think I always, you know, once the devil's in her, he's in her. Right. But she does have these moments of clarity. And at first I was like, I'm confused. But the more I think about it, I actually don't mind. Like, I kind of like that. that mm. it, it, like, the acting, I mean, listen, it's 70s acting, but it was subtle enough yeah. That you never really know, like, is she the sexorcista or is she just Sor Maria right now? And if anything, this movie isn't that creepy, but that adds a little like creepiness layer in there because you never totally. quite know who she is, which I liked. So she takes herself into a cave high in the mountains and she's kneeling and she's praying. Pero claro que sí. Claro que no la va a dejar sola. Here is Luzbel. (laughs) Pero now Luzbel is dressed up in a prince outfit in like a red Mm. prince. He looks like he belongs in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Like, yes, he might as well be wearing those like turkey leg pants. 
So he says, I'm here to rescue you with me. Serás la más feliz de las mujeres. And Maria's like, no, vete, vete y déjame en paz con mi agonía, maldito. You've made me the worst of all the monsters. Vete. And Luzbel is like, listen, accept me. And I'll make you mother superior, dude. And Maria's like, no, <laughs> get out of here. Let me die in peace. And Lubel is like, if you look down in the valley over there, you can see all the nuns are coming for you and they're going to take you to the Inquisition. And you see the nuns down there. They're carrying torches and like a burning cross and shit. And Luzbel says, before killing you, they're going to torture you. Your mouth will be filled with lead. Tus carnes serán arrancadas en mil pedazos. You've seen a nun die like that, remember? Which I was like, oh shit, that's fucking Oof. fucked. And Luzbel is like, don't you want to be mother superior, important and happy? But Maria's like, mira, stop tempting me. Vete, Satanás. Vete en nombre de Cristo. And boop. He disappears. Actually, this time it isn't a poop. This time it's like fire and brimstone. There's an actual poof of smoke and he disappears. But then she starts imagining the things that he just said. We see her now in a torture chamber with two men that are shirtless with black executioner style hoods on their head. She's strapped down onto a slab naked and one man is holding a fucking funnel into her mouth Ugh. and the other one is pouring legit cement down her fucking throat. And then she's being raked across the chest and then they I love this shot. I was like, okay, this fucking works. We get like her <laughs> side profile and a hook pulling out an eyeball from her head. But it's obvious that it's the other side of her face. So you don't mm -hmm. see like they it's just perspective. But I was like, oh, yeah, get that eyeball. The shot's was great. Good. Like her head is turned just enough, just yeah. enough that like, and you know, they positioned it just right. So when they go, yeah. boop. You know, Bloop. for lack of a better sound, it's her fucking eyeball. It's, <laughs> it's good. It's her fucking eyeball. Solid. And she's screaming. And uh, finally, she comes out of this, like, imagining of torture. She falls to her knees and she calls for Luzbel. Luzbel, acepto tus condiciones. I accept oh. your conditions. Bitch. So the nuns who have been carrying torches are now transformed into carrying crosses adorned with wild flowers. And they march two and two together to Maria, who's in the cave still. And they surround her and they're like, "Ay, Maria, you did it. We've decided that you're going to be our next mother superior. Please accept it. Please be our mother superior. You're our guide. La más pura, la más buena, la más virtuosa. And Maria accepts. They go back to the convent at the door. Django is still there. Hey, yeah. Django. <laughs> and then they walk into the convent. And it's a fucking party. And around the long dinner table, the nuns either fully or half naked mm -hmm. are just prancing around it like ding, 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 dong, dong. having a ball. Two of them are standing on the table like with their skirts lifted and being like ah, ha, 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 ha. the candle chandelier that they have. They've covered it in glitter. I was like, 
okay, fucking disco ball chandelier. <laughs> oh my God, I love the glitter chandelier. Now, this is supposed, like, again, this is 70s. So I assume that at some point in time, people would have seen this scene and been mm-hmm. like, my pearls, look at these naked nuns dancing around, their boobs are out. Y de nuevo, a fucking lesbianismo porque hay dos desnudas, like, lying on the bench. Yes, and- <laughs> feeding grapes to each other. And here's the thing, and I didn't clock it until my second watch, but on the table, it's, like, lavish fruits and wines and, like, before they're eating slop and two tablespoons of rice, right. and now they're, like, bananas and Apples, obviously, mm-hmm, and like vino mm-hmm. en todas partes. Y a ver, te doy de comer. My tetas are out. Two, two fucking fully naked nuns playing the guitar. Like, ding, yep. ding, hey, bang, girl. Bang. Just hey, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so Maria is standing there seeing all these nuns like <laughs> running around being crazy. And bing, there's Luz Bale in the other side of the room. So off she goes to be like, what the fuck is going on here on this day? <laughs> and he says, look, I kept my promise. You are their mother superior, their mother and guide. Enjoy. You deserve it. But before you do, let's go to the balcony and greet your people, tu pueblo. They want to meet their new mother superior. And she goes through this debauchery. One of the guitar nuns is like, hola, madre superiora. And I was like, <gasps> how dare you? <laughs> So Sor Maria goes to the balcony and we hear all of a sudden this raucous, Viva la Madre Superior! Viva la Madre Superiora! And she looks out the window and it's a bunch of sheep. It's just sheep on sheep on sheep. You know, as much as I was like at the top of this movie, like the apple, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. I kind of also appreciate the simplicity of being like, the apple is forbidden you're all fucking sheep, you yeah. know? I don't I don't hate it. You know, it's simple, but I get it. I have said it many a time in this fucking podcast. Sometimes you got to slap me across the face with symbolism because mm-hmm. I will not understand. Yep. I am grateful for moments like this where I don't have to put in the effort. No, this is simple. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sor Maria returns to her nun party and we see Hermana Clemencia, the one with the wound on the shoulder, peeling an apple with a knife. A glittery knife. A very glittery knife. (laughs) And um, as Maria walks by her, Clemencia looks over, she stands up. And then she just fucking stabs Maria in the back with this big ass knife. Y de repente todas las dancing monjas are stabbing Maria. All of them in the stomach, in la espalda, and whatever. Even Caridad is there with her fucking rope around her neck. Mm-hmm. They are all stabbing her to death. At this moment, you're like, what is, what, Caridad is here? How? Okay. Yeah, what's going on? Also, yeah. love the bent rubber knife here. Love that... <laughs> Bent ass rubber knife. It's Bend clear it. as day. Yes. Fatal. The again, this scene, I was like, I didn't because literally la, como se llama? La, la clemencia. 
La clemencia. She's sitting there with a smile on her face, smile. you know, about to like peel an apple or whatever with this glittery knife. And then she's like, actually, you know what I'll do instead? With I'm a smile, I'm, I'm going to get up and we're all going to stab this this woman multiple times. This again, I was very surprised. And it is, again, horrifying. Very, very horrifying. While she's being stabbed, Luz Bell is standing there and watching it happen. Oof. Of course. Maria, covered in blood, knife in her back, stumbles down the hallway into her room. She leans against the door with one of her hands, leaving behind a bloody handprint. She falls on her bed, making the knife in her back go in deeper, oh. which I was like, ooh, shit. Ooh, that was rough. Ugh. Yeah. We get a final moan and groan, and she dies. Then we see the bloody handprint again on the door, and boop, it disappears. And we see Maria again on the bed, but this time she's not covered in blood and she's laid just normally on her bed as if she's sleeping, even hands folded over her chest. Outside her room, you see that her door is padlocked with a chain. And then Caridad is there, alive and well, no rope around her neck and two other nuns. And she opens a tiny little, like, a peep door. She opens the peep door, and she's like, ah, yes, her suffering is over. May God keep her in his glory. And so it turns out that Maria had the plague this whole time, and she was quarantined in her room so as to not spread the disease. Very topical for these days. But unfortunately, it took her life and all these nuns, they kneel down in front of her door to pray for sweet Maria. Down the hallway, here comes La Madre Superiora. She's also alive and well. Outside the convent, Marcelo and his abuelita, also alive and well, walk by. They do the sign of the cross at the convent door with their sheep and off they go. And then from the convent door, a monja comes out with a basket, seems to be going off to do something in her day. And here comes Luz Bell, back in his sheep outfit, and he begins to follow the nun as she goes off. He takes a bite from his apple. Fin de la película. Beautifully done. Thank you. Also, by the way, at the very end, we see Churubusco! Hey, like, right. Churubusco! I have, I have questions here. So in the last three to five minutes of this film, we discover, oh, most, if not this entire film, was a fever dream. Fever, quite literally a, a fever, fever dream. dream. Which, you know, the movie feels that way. Mm -hmm. Very colorful, bright, whatever. This is my question, though. Was it all a fever dream or are we supposed to? Because then at the end, you see Luzbel appear and he's going after another monja. So he did infect La Maria with his devil disease, whatever. He possessed her. That's what we're supposed to believe. I think so, yes. So at the top of the movie, that is actually not Fever Dream, him meeting her in the woods. That uh, That is real. And then, like, basically from that point forth, she gets sick. She is poseída. Yes, I think so. I think that should be the timeline. Okay, Let's get into some trivia. How about it? Yeah! 
So this is my trivia for today. Let's talk about Enrique Rocha. This is from IMDb. It says here, Enrique Rocha, known as Rique o El Rochon, was born on January 5th, 1940 in Guanajuato, Mexico. January 5th is... Oh, January 5th, he's a Capricorn. He is a Capricorn. He was an <laughs> actor known for Satanico Pandemonium, Torum Beso, and Pasión y Poder. Unfortunately, he died on November 7th of 2021, so just recently in Mexico City from apparently natural causes. So this about him from Wikipedia, it says he began his career in the telenovela La Mentira in 1965. He had a very, very long career, and uh, he was known for his antagonistic characters. Apparently, he, pay, he played 14 in total, meaning he was like very well known as a villain due to his appearance and his deep voice. Mm. Such as Dos Mujeres Un Camino, El you know that one? I was like, Eileen's got to know some of these. Dos Mujeres Un Camino is a big one. Oh, nice, nice. El Privilegio de Amar, Las Vías del Amor, Rebelde, Corazón Salvaje, Amores Verdaderos, y Me Declaro Culpable. And apparently he dubbed the voice of Bagheera in the Jungle Book 2016. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, the live action one. Let's talk about Cecilia Peset also known as Mami Ceci, and I will tell you why. So this is from Wikipedia. It says here, Maria Cecilia Blanchet Peset, born in Mexico City, April 27th, 1953. Taurus. Taurus. She is a retired Mexican actress, businesswoman, and altruist. She is recognized for having participated in various films of the se from the 70s, such as La Lucha con la Pantera, Fuga en la Noche, and El Llanto de la Tortuga. And she is very well known for her leading role, especially in Satanico Pandemonium, alongside Enrique Rocha, who I just spoke about. More importantly, she is the founder and president of the civil association Ministerios de Amor, which is dedicated to helping street children. It says here that in 1973, she had a very active year performing in the films Masajista de Señoras, okay, and Peluquero de Señoras, alongside comedians Alejandro Suarez and Héctor Lechuga, including a sporadic appearance in the film Los Cachorros by Jorge Fons. Later in 74, she would appear in the telenovela Mundo de Juguete, and would have an outstanding participation co-starring alongside none other than Hugo Stieglitz, remember from fucking Tintorera? Yes, Tintorera! In the movie El Llanto de la Tortuga. Oh, okay. Her innocent appearance and charisma led her to be selected toward the end of 73 to play Sor Maria in the movie Satanico Pandemonium. And it says here that when it was finally released in the summer of 75, it generated great controversy due to the scenes of nudity, lesbianism, pedophilia, and violence. Mm. And at the time of Satanico Pandemonium, Cecilia Peset was at the highest point of her career. She, however, would retire from the cinema and travel to South America where she would undertake various businesses. After her return to Mexico and after more than 10 years away from the spotlight, in 87, she founded Ministerios de Amor, which is an organization dedicated to helping street children. 
And that is where she got the title of Mami Ceci. And she currently serves as president of Ministerios de Amor with nine centers distributed in Mexico City, Guadalajara, Monterrey, and Cuernavaca. And so just a little bit about Ministerios de Amor. You can find it at ministeriosdeamor.org.mx. It says on their website in 1987, Dr. Cecilia Blanchet Peset decided to give her life and heart to the most vulnerable population in the country and founded Ministries of Love, a foundation whose mission is to rescue, transform, and reintegrate through love, gratitude, honesty, respect, faith, and comprehensive care for street children, so that as a result, there is a transformed country with generations of men and women successfully reintegrated into a society in which they can form solid potential and productive families for society. Cool. All right, let's talk about Veronica Conca. So this woman played La Sor Caridad. Caridad. And so this is from Wikipedia. First of all, the name Veronica Conca. Fucking come on. That is love awesome. I love yeah. that. You can call me, you can call me Veronica Conca. I love that shit. <laughs> so it says here that Veronica Conca was born Nicanora. Veronica Hernandez Avila on February 14th, 1950. Aquarius. She's a Mexican actress, singer, and TV hostess. She was born in Santo Domingo, Oaxaca, Mexico. She made her debut in this movie, Satanico Pandemonium. She also appeared in the films El Guía de las Turistas, Oye Salomé, La Mujer del Puerto, and Hembras de Tierra Caliente. Wow. Oh, my. My goodness. In 1989, she appeared in the children's TV series Carousel as Belen. In 2016, Veronica Conca celebrated 45 years in show business. Come on, girl. Get it. Wow. Work. And it says that in 2017, she returned to telenovelas in El Vuelo de la Victoria as Chencha, the mother of Paulina Goto. Now, I looked up Paulina Goto. She seems to be kind of like a, a young Mexican pop star. Oh, okay, girl. All right. I also found this other article from 20minutos.com.mx, and it's talking about how Veronica Conca has celebrated 45 years in the business. Mm -hmm. This was from September 14th of 2016, by the way. So it says here that she celebrated... Her this 45 year, you know, landmark career with a show at the Jorge Negrete Theater. And that it was all apparently it was an almost hour and a half show. And it says here that the singer said with a firm voice, however, breathless due to fatigue. <laughs> what I can say is for television, film and theater businessmen and producers, Veronica Conca has not died. I am more alive than ever and I am ready to work. And with this show, we show the richness of teatro and the celebration of one more year of life in entertainment or like the furtherment of her career in entertainment. And you can find it on Spotify. You can find her music. Absolutely listen. She's fabulous. Love that. So it says that Veronica Conca in the same article recalled that the last album that she released was in 1995. It was called Juego y Pasión. And she says, in 21 years since the last album with the record label, I could only make two albums, one Ranchero and another one Tropical. And she expressed that since that time, she has suffered through the change in the music market. 
she says, because no one opens doors for me. I have to seek support and produce my own records. I can't get contracts on television or film shoots, which is very, very sad. But she continues, fortunately, I have a captive audience, a public that follows me wherever I go as evidenced as what she did today, meaning the show that she put on. And lastly, she thanked the existence of social networks, web pages and digital platforms, because that's been the way that she's been able to continue to share her work. And she says here, I'm going to go ahead and fight as far as possible. So there is Veronica Conca for more. But, you know, as I said earlier, it seems that she got a TV show in 2017. So this article was before that. So she's working. Yeah, girl, get it. Which I love. And then I found this from Muppet.Fandom.com. Apparently, Veronica Conca played Doña Mati on Plaza Sesamo. So she was on Sesame Street. (laughs) That's so nice. I love that. Adorable. Okay, let's talk very, very quickly about Gustavo Cesar Carrion. So he did the music for this movie, and I just wanted to bring him up because, okay, the mu- the music in this movie was bonkers nuts. It bonkers. was everywhere. There were some moments where I really, really enjoyed the music, but then other moments where I was just like, this is insane 70s music, calm down. But he also did the music for Santo y Blue Demon Contra <gasps> los Monstruos. Oh, my God. Classic. And by the way, the director of this movie, Gilberto Martinez Solares, directed Santo y Blue Demon Contra los Monstruos, which I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) Yeah, dude. What? According to IMDb, that's what. Yes. Wow. Our first Santo movie. And that is my trivia for today. Lovely. Let's talk about what a scapular is very quickly since I brought it up. Let's do it. The scapular from the Latin scapulae, which means shoulders, is a Western Christian garment suspended from the shoulders. There are two types of scapulars, the monastic and the devotional, although both forms may simply be referred to as scapular. As an object of popular piety, it serves to remind the wearers of their commitment to live a Christian life. So the monastic type of scapular is basically, if you think of a priest's outfit, how they have that big bib, I guess, that goes in front of their white thing. That's a scapular because it goes over their shoulders. And then the devotional scapular is the necklace kind that we saw in the movie, que son dos pedacitos of like two pieces of cloth attached to string or rope. The monastic scapulars originated as aprons worn by medieval monks and were later extended to habits for members of religious organizations. Monastic scapulars now form part of the habit of monks and nuns in many Christian orders. The devotional scapular is a much smaller item and evolved from the monastic scapular. These may also be worn by individuals who are not members of a monastic order. So like regular people can wear scapulars like the the devotional kind rather than the the monastic kind. So that's what a scapular is. Let's talk about owl symbolism. Just because when I saw the owl on the cross in the movie, it made me think of this TikTok that has gone around where 
an owl appears in a church and um, like up in the ceiling and people start like singing hymns and things like that because a sign of an owl is in Catholicism or in Christianity is not good. Wow. It usually means witches or the devil or something like that. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And I was like, so let me... A, find out what the real thing is, because that's, I don't know if it's devil, witches, or qué, but let's see what's up. So it says here on crystalclearintuition.com by Rose Putnam, owls are mysterious and elusive creatures of the night, giving them a dark veil of curiosity and intrigue. They are spoken about with wonder or fear, spun in stories of witchcraft, magic, darkness, and supernatural encounters. So what does it mean if you see an owl? What is the spiritual significance and symbolism? Owls represent wisdom, knowledge, change, transformation, intuitive development, and trusting the mystery. They are tied to the spiritual symbol of death, which brings about new beginnings with a higher understanding and evolved perspective. Owls can show up when you are being asked to listen to your intuition. But let's talk about owl symbolism in Christianity specifically. In Christianity, the owl was a symbol that represented what was hidden behind the darkness. This is usually a reference to the mystery behind prophetic visions and the unknown future. It was believed by many that seeing an owl was a dark omen foretelling of darkness and evil that will come to pass. However, more mystical Christians associated owls with the deep wisdom that darkness can teach us. When we have periods of darkness and challenges that test our moral strength and conviction, there is great spiritual evolution that happens by standing up with your own values. As a Christian, if you dream or have visions of an owl, you may be asked to examine how your challenges are helping you strengthen your faith and spiritual relationship. Do owls mean death? Owls are often associated with death because of their nocturnal nature and their frequent sightings at graveyards. While owls do often represent death, spiritual death does not mean loss of life. Rather, death represents the ending of something and the beginning of something else. It represents change, transformation, rebirth, and renewal. There's a lot about owls, actually. I'm not going to say it all, but... If you guys, if you guys want to know about owls, this lady is thorough. Uh, Crystalclearintuition.com. So let's talk, finally, my last little bit about, I googled segregation in convents to see, like, Mm. what would come up. And then I typed in racism in convents. And uh, I found a lot of articles about this woman that's writing a book, so... I'm going to stick to one article uh, that I found from the tablet.co.uk written by Catherine Backler. The title is Catholic America shunned black women religious for too long. That feels weirdly titled black women religious. So it says historian reveals racist history of religious life in America. Leadership conference of women religious is told women religious. What What a weird. Yeah strange resolving the racism in the church's history and present will take quote more than singing kumbaya and celebrating black history month one sister told assembly of the leadership conference of women religious this week 
Sister Anita Baird, a daughter of the Heart of Mary, was responding to a presentation by historian Dr. Shannon D. Williams, who is writing a book on Black women religious and their struggles in the church. Sister Baird said that the history of oppression and suppression of Black women by the church requires religious congregations to listen to women of color and not just pay lip service to racial reconciliation. Dr. Williams revealed in her presentation that up until the mid-20th century, Black women in America had to travel thousands of miles to find convents that would accept them. Oh, fuck. The historian who is writing a book called Subversive Habits, Black Nuns and the Long Struggle to Desegregate Catholic America, explained how religious congregations in 19th and 20th century America would only accept black women if they could, quote, pass for white. Uh. Those who were admitted were often made to take their vows separately from white sisters and were frequently assigned to subservient roles treated as the domestics to the community, Dr. Williams said, which we saw. Some congregations forbade white passing black sisters to receive visitors, fearing that their relatives would look black. Most orders did not open up to black women completely until the 1970s. Some African-American women with vocations to religious life traveled from America to Europe to join congregations that would accept them. Others formed their own communities in the States, Dr. Williams told listeners. Over time, Black sisters founded about nine predominantly Black religious communities, but being Black and Catholic, the communities became prime targets for local branches of the Ku Klux Klan, as well as witnessing a reticence among the white Catholic community that ranged anywhere from prejudice to hatred. The Franciscan Handmaids of the Most Pure Heart of Mary, for example, was founded in Georgia, but was forced to move to Harlem after being threatened by racist by racist attacks. Quote, black sisters matter, but they constitute a dangerous memory for the church, said Dr. Williams, assistant professor of history at the University of Tennessee. She said that growing up, she had not realized that black nuns even existed. If that doesn't make you uneasy, she said it should. As part of the panel discussion on racism in religious life, sisters wrote on slips of paper about times when they and their religious communities had not welcomed people of color. Ooh, damn. Mm. Having to admit that shit. The slips were made into a, quote, chain of bondage. The sisters prayed lamentations over it, said a blessing and broke it. Great. You put it on a piece of paper and you broke it. Are you going to do something about it? You feel better now? Yeah, what the fuck? And then I found another article from this about this same uh about Dr. Williams again, but this is from wdsu.com and there's just a great little quote that I was like, holy shit. The title of the article is The Overlooked History of Black Catholic Nuns by David Crary and It says here, even as a young adult, Shannon D. Williams, who grew up black and Catholic in Memphis, Tennessee, knew of only one black nun and a fake one at that. Sister Mary Clarence, as played by Whoopi Goldberg in the comic film Sister Act. And honestly, same, dude. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, this movie Genuinely, the part that surprised me the most was that scene of this black woman revealing like 
the pain that she's trying to not only escape and it just keeps following her even in the safest place. And she's um, just looking for a place of peace. Yeah. A, I was surprised it was there to begin with. That was like, <laughs> this is a movie called La Sexorcita. Like I wasn't expecting to have this deep moment of pain and, but yeah. Honestly agreed because this movie was not what I expected whatsoever. Totally. In many, many ways. And I just find it fascinating that the thing, like, after we've watched this film, the thing that has stuck is about this one sister. Yeah. La, la Sor Caridad. Anyway, let me ask you some questions. You ready? Yeah, let's get some questions. Eileen, were you scared? No. Were you? Mostly, nah. Sure. What was your best scare? The there's two. One is more creep. The other one was a mini jump, which was the snake from the mug that like I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That surprised me. And then the creep was that nun in that pocket of terror, man, just like yeah. standing there for a long time, just watching Sor Maria. I was like, ooh, creepville. Y tú? I agree. Snake in the cup. Gave me a little jump. So that's going to take it. Who was your favorite character? I'm going to say Caridad. That performance was very, it was very quiet and tender. I really fucking felt for her, man. And mm. uh, I think she did a great job. So Caridad for me. Itu? I got to say again about that, about Caridad, that it's just, <laughs> it's the most fascinating storyline. Yeah, yeah. That being said, though, I did give it to Sor Maria just mm -hmm. because, you know, she's our lead. I thought she was very good. She was very good. Relatively understated in what could have been like this really dramatic role. Um, so, yeah, I'll give it to Sor Maria. What was your best line? <laughs> I have a few. La vaca Doña Sofia está malita. <laughs> <laughs> Poor baby. <laughs> Poor thing. I just, the term está malita, couldn't, it just killed me. And then the other one was, El infierno no existe, sino que yo soy el infierno. I was ooh. like, ooh, girl, yeah. Love that. Yes. Yeah. That whole That's monologue, good. that whole like, I'm the devil, I am here ready to take my place whenever I need it. That was a great monologue. But when she was like, Yo soy el infierno, I was like, That's Oof. a great line. Yes. ¿Y tú? Mine was Luzbel's line <laughs> Me llamo Lucifer, Mephisto, como tú quieras. Cuando tú me necesites, piensa en mí. Yo también estoy en todas partes. Which just was like, you know, kind of like thesis statement. The devil is everywhere, people. Yeah. Look out. Look out. Luzbel yeah. is out there in his stupid outfit. I love that it's yo también. Because he's not saying mm. I'm everywhere. He's literally like, this is true to the devil. Listen, is God there? Sure. Guess what? So am I, so bitch. Am I. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's creeps. such a challenging thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm Agreed. here too, ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your best death? Well, first of all, shocked that there were so many to begin with. Uh, yeah. I think I'd give it. I mean, they were all pretty solid. I Marcelo's was really good. Like it was really visceral. 
But I think I'm going to give it to Sor Maria in the end, like being stabbed by everybody and then her like falling on the bed and pushing the knife in further from in her Oof. back. I'm going to give it to that. Yeah, that was fucked. I give it to Marcelo. That was a shocker to me. Again, you see that that fake knife retract 10 times and I still was like, oh, look at this. This is awful. So, yeah, that's going to take it for me. Did you learn anything about the culture? No, not really. Did you? I mean, I said no, pero as you were taking me through a little bit just about what you learned about the Catholicism and how how hard it was for, you know, for black nuns, that was kind of... That's in the U.S., though. It's not technically that, Mexico. That's very true. The mm. idea of that, though... Yes, it probably was presented in everywhere. This movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was something that I was like, you're a fucking idiot. Why are you shocked by this? Like, right. You, you know, but I did learn that. I was like, oh, even here in yeah. this convent. So, yeah, yeah, I'll say, yes, sure, I did learn something. And finally, how many ooies are you going to give this movie? <laughs> I'm giving this movie fucking four ooies, dude. Nice. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I had several times where I said out loud, what? And like, ooh, girl. Like, <laughs> like total like vocal exclama- exclamations, which usually to me is a sign that I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. And like even in the second watch, I was like, oh, girl, <laughs> like there were plenty of times. And I will say when the term sexorcista was uh, placed upon my eyeballs, I pictured um luciferina style like somebody fucking the devil out of somebody like mm-hmm. the using sex as the exorcism um and that really wasn't the case if anything she was just like using the devil was using her to pollute her mind and do sinful acts which is why i think the murders hit me strongly that I, that's not what i i was just expecting more of a sex romp But that didn't deviate from the fact that this was beautifully made. Some great monologues in there, uh, a delight to look at. And um, and yeah, genuinely a a good movie. So I'm giving it four, man. Great. I give it three and a half. I also really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was beautiful, like you said, really, really well filmed. The colors were so vivid and bright and full of life. I loved Sor Maria. I loved the Caridad story. Well, I mean, love is not the correct word, but I found it, you know, very interesting. And the thing, this movie was not what I expected whatsoever. Totally. I also, especially like you put La Sexorcista, like you said, underneath it. I'm expecting something super over the top and ridiculous. And as sure there were moments where I was like, okay, that is dated. This feels very 70s. I'm laughing a little bit. It was darker than I expected. Yeah. Which is weird to say because it's such a bright movie. Totally. It has weird themes under there that I'm like, I can't, you know, they were clear. Like we said, the sheep, the apple, the todo. But there are other things in there that I'm like, this I feel that a lot is being said here. Yeah. And which I I really appreciate it. The one thing I'm going to say, though, is that that I didn't particularly like was, I mean, rest in peace, sir. Pero I wasn't really feeling 
the performance of Luz Bell. Interesting. Which is interesting to me. Like, he was just kind of... Um, as much as I was like, I love that Sor Maria was not too dramatic. She was kind of like, you know, playing it understated, which I really appre- I liked. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted just like a little bit more Devilly. from our Lucifer, you know, just yeah. like a little something more. He was just kind of one note and honestly kind of bland to me. So I'm going to say also, I'm shocked that he gets first billing and she doesn't because he's oh. in it for like five minutes. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised by that too, but she is the star She's of this film. She's the star, yeah. So yeah, three and a half for me. Great movie. Everybody watch it. A fucking classic. Check it out. Well, I think it's time to take our habits off and get to our... Our cells? Our cells. Uh, <laughs> Don't forget to pray first. Make sure and pray. And also make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to Wikiror wherever you listen. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate you being here with us and listening to our uh, ramblings about God and such. Yes. Um, make sure to follow us on our redes sociales at Wikiror on Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email at Wikiror at gmail.com. Thank you to Sonoro for being the devil that takes over our bodies. You can follow them at Sonoro Podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well. Johnny, happiest of birthdays. You are my favorite person, whether you're God or the devil himself. A little bit of both. If you appear to me wet and naked, I shan't run. I will, (laughs) if anything, I will run towards you. Uh, (laughs) I love you very, very much. Uh, I love you too. Thank you for the birthday wishes. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adios. Adios. Uy, que horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy Que Horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adiós. Adiós. Sonoro. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.